Big shout out and special dedication to my brother Kilo and my parents. Thank you so much for coming out. I love you guys. Find a safe way home. Back to Samoa. Pops, thanks again. Cue my music, bro. In the middle of the city where the young die. A poor boy with a voice and a guitar. And he would sing with all his soul. Letting all the people know he was going to make it out. This is the Rude Awakening. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Rudy. Thank <laughs> you for inviting me over. Yeah, today's a, today's a special episode because I have one of my heroes, one of my guys that I look up to, uh, my dad, Richard Brown. He, nine years in the NFL, graduated from San Diego State. It's a great dude to look up to, you know what I'm saying? Say what's up to the people, pops. Well, welcome everyone out there listening. Thank you for listening to my son, Rudy. This is Rude Awakening. Yeah. All right. So, really, I just want to get into the beginning, right, where where you're from. You're from Samoa, Western Samoa, uh, born and raised. And um, you moved here when you were 11. And how was that transition from going straight off the island? You know, most people call us fobs, but being straight off the island, going into, was it Compton right away? Or yes, yes, Compton. Yes. Perfect. Yeah, so what, like, was it a crazy, like, language barrier? Yes, and there was like some, culture shock. There were major uh, barriers for us that we came here to seek for a better future. It was a rude awakening of waking up in the morning and was in Park Village, Park Village in Compton, California. Oh, okay. So, it, from, from the island of Samoa, it was very, it was hard to adapt at that moment because we didn't really know. What we expected, it was something with, you know, America is a land of uh, milk and honey yeah. with all the different things that we saw on TV. You know, like... Um, Trying to get the were, American dream. It was like uh, Electric Company, things we saw, the Zoom show, and also yeah. the, so many other, uh, you know, like uh, Gilligan's Island. Mm -hmm. We saw that back home, so we thought... That was what America was all about. Picket fence. Like yes, picket it was fence. picket fence with the bikes and yep. skateboards laying in front of the yard, yeah, the yeah. front yard. But that didn't happen. It was just, uh, ironically, it was unfortunate. It's fortunate that nothing happened. But the first night we were here, there was a shootout in front of our place in uh, in Park Village. Really? Yes, it was. Um, it was two gangs, you know, went out. It. So um, yeah. That's part of life, you know. Yeah, it's part of life coming to America. And was that that was like what you were around eleven, just like? It was ten years old in nineteen seventy six. So young age being yes. around that. How'd you uh, how'd you really stay out of trouble at that time period? Well, um, it was a hard first day at school was difficult, and then uh, attended J, uh, junior college. I mean, junior high school there at Davis Junior High. Okay. And then we made the transition to Westminster, California. Okay, and that and that was when like, that's uh, where I attended high school, and also okay. my last uh, last year of junior high, which is eighth grade, I attended at okay. um, 
at Johnson Junior High in Westminster. And when you were in when you were in high school, were you was the the language barrier getting a little easier at that time? Yes, and it was. Classes uh, were getting a little easier. Easier, but you're from. You know, as we all know that you know the inner city language, and then you yeah, get to yeah. the the surf areas of Orange County, mm-hmm. so you have to adapt to it. And and it was uh it was it was a f- easy transition. Okay, it wasn't hard. It was just I have to do a lot of reading and pay attention and just try to watch a lot of TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So right away in high school, I'm assuming that you were you got into sports right away, right? Did yes. You, you always see that as like a, a way to get out, kind of. A- uh, sports was the only way. It was the only positive year code I, I can see that I can uh, excel in. Uh-huh. Uh, school-wise, academically, was something that you had to work, uh, on. work on because of the the, um, the language barrier. Yeah. But mathematics was happened to be the same mathematics, you know, from Samoa to all the way yeah. here. So I was fine with math, mm-hmm. but. English was something that I really have to work. Yeah, no, I, I obviously I understand that. I'm, I have my own troubles with school and and trying to read and stuff like that. And and I was born here. I can only imagine how hard it would be for a person coming from an island, speaking a totally different language. Respect, I dig it. Um, but I will go back to high school. When you were in high school, were you just a man? Oh, I had it a wasn't really like difficult time. I was only five five one fifty as a freshman. Wait, really? And I grew okay. after my sophomore year. That's when, uh, in the summer between my sophomore year and junior, that's when I grew. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was it was very hard. I went through the the difficulties of sitting on a bench and, and, yeah. and trying to uh, get a spot on the team. But that didn't stop me from working hard and do what I know best, yeah. and that is, you know, working hard and, and and try to try to improve every day. And and running became my my best friend. And I couldn't, I wasn't very strong, so therefore, watching Herschel Walker, who influenced me of doing sit-ups and push-ups, okay, and that's when I started picking up my strength. But running something I really believed in, and, and it's free. It doesn't cost yeah. anything, so I became a, a runner. So did, uh, like, people just start noticing you around uh, Westminster just constantly running? Yes, you know. Were you known it, as, it really as a kid didn't, uh, I always liked the fact that, because Westminster had um, Carlos Palomino. Carlos Palomino was a boxer. Okay. Well-known boxer, Walter Waite from Westminster uh, Boxing Club. And... Most of the time, trying to imitate him by wearing the hood and yeah, sweats yeah. and and all that, just running around the neighborhood. The old Rocky scene. Yes, huh? that's what it is. That was it. I feel it. Yeah, I remember. I remember when when I was in high school, you would always try to get me to. You got to get up and run. And I'll tell you right now, it's just not my kind of thing. But I feel you. And being older now, I, I definitely realize. And and playing at that level of college, I remember. Always being like, man, I wish I ran more. I wish I was in better condition. Um, but to just constantly run, um, did that just help you? Being that athletic and having the cardio, uh, did that just help you on the field tremendously? I mean, you did track and field as well, right? Yes. I, running was just something that you have to do, as a, especially I was in the, the talented uh, player on the field. And running got me to the point where I was playing a lot of basketball, volleyball, mm-hmm. and even uh, street football with the guys on the street. Yeah. And uh, and running was something that gave me confidence, knowing that I was faster and a little bit quicker than most of the guys. Okay. And that was my edge. 
before I really got into the weight training. Mm-hmm. So running was free, like I said before, and it, it is like I always remember one of the the quotes that I uh, I saw in the um, in one of the locker rooms is fatigue makes cowards out of all of us. All of us, and That's therefore sure. I always made sure that I won't be tired, that I will always be a step ahead. Mm-hmm. And I realized most of my friends growing up, they hate running. Yeah, they will fake it to make it, and they will always try to uh, to get you know when it's conditioning time, they will yeah. pull a hamstring or they'll fake a hamstring, fake an injury, or they have uh, cramps. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. by seeing that, I, I told myself that I will try to run. And you know, at the time, there was no Walkman or even iPods and all that. It was just you, you and your mind. Yeah. You know, your mind tells you to stop, but, you know, your body tells you to stop, but your mind says, I have to get better. You have to get better every day. And that's the life of an athlete. How did you get that drive at such a young age? Because that was something that was instilled by me, by my father, hard work. Yeah. And the transition from the island to here, there was, I couldn't stop just making it to college. I have to make sure that I I get paid for my, my efforts. Mm-hmm. and try to make it to the next level. Yes, it's nothing, you can't really talk about it. There's no no uh, really answer for it. However, it's in you, it's it's in you. No one else can instill it in you except yourself. Yeah. Tell yourself that you can do it because no one believes in you except until you've proven them that potential is no longer the word because you're actually putting it in action. You're making it work, you're grinding. Yes. Yeah. And um, so what, what position did you actually play on the field in high school? I'm assuming you played multiple well, offense and first of all, they put me, because I was so small, they put me at guard, offensive guard. Uh-oh. And then my sophomore year, they put me on uh, defensive tackle. Okay. And then my junior year, because I got a little slimmer, taller, so I played tight end and uh, inside linebacker. And that's when you were 85, 89? 89. 89. I wore 89 because my favorite team was Dallas Cowboys. And uh, Marcus Dupree okay. wore uh, 89 at, at Dallas. I remember uh, when Niles and I were younger, we saw your old West uh, Westminster helmet. Man, I've never seen a face mask like that in person, to be honest with you. You had like the, the single bar with uh, the booty cage coming down the middle. Well, oh man, that's classic. the reason why I'm suffering CTE now. Oh, man. <laughs> That was that equipment, man. You know, you guys were blessed to to play during the time when technology came in and, Mm -hmm. you know, people are protecting players, which is the right thing to do. It's the craziest part is when I was playing, they were still doing the the same concussion uh, routine that they would do with you guys. The three names, I'll give you three, three words, just remember them in five minutes. And if you remember them, you're going right back out. I remember they gave you. We didn't really have a. A test. Oh, you get it. When you get so knocked out, you just pour water on your head, yeah, and you try to get out there because you don't want to get replaced. Yeah. And plus, you know, at the time, if you you have a concussion, you consider a wuss. Yeah, exactly. Or like you're afraid, or you're not uh, a get man up. enough. So you don't want to tell anyone you you you're suffering a, a concussion. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, like they always say, you don't make the team in the tub. Yeah. So you always got to be out there. As you know, you're an athlete as well, a great one as well, in, you know, the, in high school and also in college. It, it's hard for us to change that mentality. Yeah. 
You know, we don't want to let coaches know that we're hurt, and mm-hmm. we don't let the opponents know we're hurt. Yeah. And that's signs of weakness when you're hurt. So it, it's a transition now from, from a young man and from someone that was taught that way and now we have to talk about it and know and realize that it was wrong. It was wrong, yeah. So we don't right. have to have our, you know, the new gen, this generation to suffer that. Yeah. It's okay to let somebody know that you're, you know, you're suffering a concussion or you're not able to see correctly. Properly. It is okay because the ones that are going to fake it really don't want it, right? I mean, and there are going to be people that are going to fake the, the concussions to get out of whatever they need to do, but... Um, if you're faking it, you really don't want it, and, and that prove that, that's going to say something about you inside. Usually, I mean, if you don't feel any crazy way about it, then there's something wrong with your morals. So you gotta you gotta have morals to play this game. Yeah, well, it's a sport that's hard to fake. Yeah, yeah. you can't yeah. really fake it. You can get away a few times mm-hmm. from conditioning, but yeah. it's always going to catch you a long way. Yeah, man. Yeah, and that's why you know an eye in the sky doesn't lie, and there's always somebody watching. So when you were in high school, were uh, were your grades pretty good back then? And was it more – so you hear about these stories about players back in the day pretty much giving – getting grades just because they're athletes, you know. Um, was that any any way of your – did you ever feel that way when you were in high school? Oh, no. I, had, I, knew, I knew I have to do well in school. Okay. And I knew at that time that school was important for me. Okay. The sports was more of a vehicle for me to study abroad or or extend my uh, my uh, education, mm-hmm. and that was the only way to pay for my my education. Yeah. But it wasn't a lifetime thing for me. Sports, I, I didn't think sports was going to be a career. Yeah. It was only to be a positive vehicle for me to get to where I want to get to. And when you. Uh when you started, so you understood that football was just a vehicle to get you to to ultimately make money for your family and really get yourself out of the out of a situation that you're not that you don't want to be in, right? Like you don't want to live in the ghetto, you don't want to live go back to Compton. Well, I wish I had some of that more of that drive too, you know. And you do. I mean, we not everyone can be an NFL player. Yeah. Not everyone can play football, but if you do your best. And know that you did your best, and it's just sometimes the it didn't roll your way. Yeah, that doesn't mean you stop dreaming. It doesn't mean you you need to stop and quit everything that you work for. Yeah. All of us have a different calling, and it's fortunately I'm blessed to make it that long in the league, and with my, you know, with my, I'm not a superstar. I'm not a Hall of Famer. But I dance on that dance floor, so yeah. to speak, and, and able to, to meet a lot of friends, yeah. make friends with coaches, got a lot of respect out there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I did what I did. And football, like, it's my prized possession. It's you. Yeah. You guys are my kids, you know, Rudy, Niles, RJ, Bianca, and Kilo. Baby Kilo. And especially my wife. And yes. those are the people who are very important for me. That Those are my Hall of Fames. Mm-hmm. The way you turn out in life and what you guys are going to do, that's going to bring a Hall of Fame to me. And that will dictate what I did in the NFL and what kind of person that I am. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I totally get it, man. Um, so you <clears throat> let's get back to high school. 
<clears throat> you're going through high school and you're you're finishing your junior year, senior year. Are offers coming into you from colleges? Yes, I was highly recruited out of California. Yeah, uh, and does that happen in your junior year at that time? It, well, finished my junior year, going into the senior year, when all the letters from Oklahoma, okay, and all the Nebraska, Kansas, all the big schools, you yeah. know, and all the Pac-10. Oh, so you were you were really highly recruited by well, uh, big time I, I can schools. say it was there was a lot of those uh, letters that were in the box. No, they didn't have the scout.com yet. Yeah, yeah. So you had coaches come every all the time at on campus. Uh-huh. They pull you out of the classroom. And how um, would they how would they hear about you at that time? You know, now we have YouTube. We have it's through, before over. before your senior year. Mm-hmm. They used to have questionnaires out. So okay, you yeah, fill yeah. out the questionnaires and then the coaches will go around and um watch games. Mm-hmm. And it so happened that I was um you know, I was blessed. I played well, and, and a lot of the the coaches came around to see me play. Nice. Yeah. And what – so when you decided well, – like, what were the top three teams that you really wanted to go play for? What were the top schools you wanted to do the 10? I really didn't – all the Pac-10s. You got uh, uh, Artie Chicantino, who uh, was a defensive coordinator under uh, Ted Toner okay. at USC. He came to uh, recruit me. Mm-hmm. You know, he was there all the time. Washington, Washington State, Oakland. You know, Oregon was not the Oregon now. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah Oregon yeah. State. But USC, UCLA, Stanford, and Cal Berkeley. So know, what, yeah. what stopped you from going to those big-time schools and going to, back then, especially traditionally maybe like a, a smaller D1 school with, uh, I mean, when did Marshall Falk go? That was after you, right? Way after. Way after you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you what know, you USC, UCLA, it was great to be there. And, I, and most of the guys who were on the all-CIF, all-state teams with me went to USC okay. and UCLA, all the Pac-12. It just so happened that there was a um, a Simon coach oh, okay. who was at uh, San Diego State. And uh, he happened to be – he became a friend of mine and a good mentor. And he was the one that recruited me to San Diego State. Okay. And a friend uh, – uh, High school friend of mine attended San Diego State as well. So it was a good mix. But if I have to do it all over again, I might look at somewhere else. <laughs> but it was a great experience, yeah. great education, great team. Not and, far from home? Yeah, it was not far from home. I didn't know it was a party school at the time. And Grandma and Grandpa, they were living in California at the time? So? Yes, they were in Huntington Beach. And they were, were living at Huntington Beach at the time. Okay. And uh, Kilo, open the door. It's just... A little hot up in there. Um, yeah, so would they attend your games when you were at San Diego State? Uh, you know, Grandpa did. You know, yeah. He was there, but Grandpa was not really a, a, a uh, advocate of sports. Okay. He wanted me to just to pursue the education. Mm-hmm. And um, he, he never wanted us boys to play any sports. However, when he saw his son's picture on the register, yeah, yeah, you know, in the newspaper, and being a player of the week, you know, certain, you know, for the whole season, mm-hmm. had my picture at South Coast Plaza at the time. Okay, you know, uh, so that's when he was starting to understand falling that. into the point that you know football can be something positive. Mm-hmm. But he was one of the. He's an advocate of education, and you got your education actually paid for, which I'm yeah, sure he was pretty that's happy what, about. And that's great. You know, education is a great thing, and it's always nice to have that. But the best thing was for me to know that I can do it, 
and able to play in the league for, for the, that many years. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Mike Puffs. No, my you're fault. My no, fault. you're good. You're good. Um, so let's go back to you at the end of your high school. You played in the um, – what was it? The We both played in this game, the Orange County – Orange County uh, All-Star, uh, All-Star game. game. Yes. And that's pretty cool to both be part of that, like – both be part of – what, what would you call that? Almost like a fraternity. You know it's what I'm a fraternity, of, yes. Of players that played in there. A lot of great players that come through there, but it's especially awesome to have my my pops play before me. You know. But um, you know, you know, son. I, for me to do it, it wasn't very exciting until I saw you play. Okay. And I, I can literally say that watching you, I'm just happy I didn't play your time. <laughs> As you're a monster out there, you were a beast and you're a man among boys. And I, I you know, you're a great player. Yes, you know, participating in the Orange County uh, All Star Game and, yeah. and all the other All Star Games. It was, it's an honor. Yeah. It's an honor to participate and, and be part of it. But I knew I had to keep going. Yeah, you, to, you can't stop there. And it was a great thing. It was yeah. a great thing to be part of. It, of course, I who knew that my own son. You know, my son will be part of it yeah. as well. So, in you know, a record. Niles would have been part of it, too, if he yes. didn't uh, go play for the All-Poly. Uh, yes. He, I can't blame him. He chose the Iron Foundation. Chose well, the Usos. His, his picture is on, a, on, the, on the poster, and yep. he did well. He, he played. Knew. He played against many, um, a lot of guys. He was, um, he was blocking. He, I mean, he was playing defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. And some of those guys made it to the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they made it to the NFL. They made a name, for, you know, for themselves. But, you know, Niles was, uh, you know, Niles did very well. I'm proud of him. And yeah. he, he made his choice that NFL wasn't his thing, you know, getting his degree in accounting and, and, and do what he's doing yeah. now. That's what his goal was, and he accomplished it. For sure. Yeah. I, I have, like, one of the funniest memories with him on the field as well. Like, just like how we kind of share that bond of going to the All-Star game together um Niles and I were in a playoff game and my coach said that yeah we can play both of you guys at the same time so he puts us both at D tackle and we literally just blow up this one center I felt really bad for him but we blew this guy up so bad we got called for a penalty I don't know what they called us for overly aggressive I don't know you can't. Yeah. <laughs> we, we teamed up on this guy, and then our coach was not happy. But get it, him off the field. It, it, it's unfair when you when you have two <laughs> big guys rolling up a guy that yeah. you know have no chance of getting away. But you guys played well. Yeah. You did well, and or you know, I'm proud Niles, of you guys. Watching Niles play against RJ, yeah, one of the funniest things ever. It's the stories that they told me about how Niles would be blocking RJ and he'll punch RJ in the stomach. RJ will punch Niles back in the stomach. The referee will run over there. Hey, you guys cut it out. Like, no, 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 it's okay. We're brothers. We're brothers. This is- well, you know, that's <laughs> that's part of what why football is so unique. You yeah. know, all the sports. You get to compete against your own, uh, yeah. you know, friends, you know, family members if they go to different schools. Yeah, you see that in, yeah. in, in the um, – in the collegiate level, yeah, you sure. see brothers playing against each other, mm-hmm. like we saw with Stephen Curry and his brother yeah. in, the, in the professional level. I mean, you have to do that sometimes. But however, as long you get out, and those are good stories and great memories, yeah. you know, you can cherish for life forever, man. Um, so let's get back to San Diego State. You get to San Diego State, um, and you got a full scholarship, but 
when you arrived there, did you think that uh, it was going to be a little bit different than what you what originally happened? I mean, I know that they didn't like what they didn't really. A full scholarship doesn't really take care of that much, to be honest with you. You have room and board, uh, your meal two, three times a day, but you're so tired that you miss uh, you miss the cafeteria, and then you're stuck with no food. Like, uh, do you have any like crazy stories about how the university level, the D one athlete, really is not as cool as sometimes they make it seem on on TV? You know, you touch on it. It's very hard to be a, a student athlete nowadays because of the demand yeah. of your time and and also the demanding um, that with your um, schooling. Mm-hmm. And, yes, at that time for us, we didn't have much. The scholarship uh, checks that we got on monthly, it barely could pay the, the rent or even if you want extra, yeah. like your telephone and stuff like that. It was very hard for us. And then it got to the point where some of my teammates, they were walking in Alpha Beta and eating uh, the rotisserie chicken. Oh, and yeah. pretend like they were actually and they were actually shopping mm-hmm. with a full basket of, uh, of groceries, but they were actually picking at the uh, rotisserie chicken. Yeah. And, and my thing was, was poor El Torito's. I will go to the El Torito's and eat all the chips and, and, and you know the and, the, and the salsa, and lie to the uh, to the waiter that I'm waiting for my coach to come. Yeah. And then when I get full and I run out, <laughs> so those are the kind of stories. But we learn to live, and that's yeah. it, 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 that's how you survive. Yeah. You, yeah. We didn't really have the the extras that they do nowadays. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and that's when I started thinking if if I would have gone to USC and all the other Pac you know, Pac Ten schools, it would have been different because they have a boosters, strong alumni and yeah, yes, exactly. a group and organization and uh, and the boosters. But poor San Diego State, it was just just <laughs> you and. Uh, and yourself, you're, you're trying homies. to make it. Yes, you even the homies they don't have any. <laughs> yeah, you know. exactly. Everybody's starving. Yeah, together. so <laughs> you try to find a way, and, and hopefully you can get by for that night. Mm-hmm. And because we had study hall around seven o'clock and finish at nine. Okay. So after practice, you're at five o'clock. You you lift weights, and then you have a, a dining table which is the yes, dinner, yeah. and then you have only 30 minutes to eat, and then you start yeah. 7 o'clock. Yeah. As you know, as all of us share that, but that that didn't stop us from uh, reaching our dreams. Yeah. And, and, yes, that those are the barriers and obstacles of a stu- uh, student athlete, but that's what uh, – made us mm-hmm. so to speak that that built our build our character and and made us stronger and, and made us who we are now yeah 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 those i definitely have some stories like that when i was in college as well um you know i, I always thought it was kind of weird when the walk-ons would not be able to eat in the dining table you know what i'm talking about those first mm-hmm. scholarship players only and it'd be like right after practice where everybody's starving and you have my walk on homie just he's he can't eat because he doesn't have uh his money or anything like that it's kind of it's kind of hard how do you build a team around something that you know what I'm saying like um how do you build a team around almost being separated from each other I had uh, from each we other? have a we had a guy at San Diego State in 1983 his name was Marcus Williams mm-hmm. Marcus uh needed a place to stay so I had him stay in my dorm room until the RA found out about it. 
So they take uh, poor Marcus out. And Marcus, I believe he's in uh, um, in Hollywood somewhere. He's a director. Oh, nice. And Marcus was, uh, I gave him my um, breakfast ticket. Yeah. Because it was too early for me to go have breakfast <laughs> yeah. at 6 o'clock and 7 o'clock. I have class at 7.30. So that's, you know, he was able to, um, to u- utilize the um, my pass. But and then, yes, we have those stories. And yeah. I usually, I used to take things from the cafeteria and give it to those guys. So I used they to also get my card to go. Yes. Uh, so they can go. You did uh, the same up. thing I yeah, did see, without us really, really talking about yeah. it. But that's the kind of person. And those are, you know, those are the attributes of who we are. Yeah. And, and that's it, it. This life is difficult as it is. And finding independence, sometimes people will seek that, making them feel bigger, mm-hmm. mightier, or they above everybody else. Yeah. But as we learn in sports, it's team me, yeah. and it's always a team. And we're living in this life that if we come together as a group, it doesn't matter what race or, 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 or gender or, mm-hmm. or, or belief, if we come together, we can make this life better. Yeah, I believe that 100. And that all just stems from, like, parenting, what yes. your mom taught me, you know, like and all the great influences in my life, what they have taught me. And usually it's always morals, man. It's always having... Good morals and hey, Rudy, you know oh. your audience is listening, and uh, you're one of those guys that are with a lot of respect on campus. Yeah. And one thing I know about you, you're not a spender. You used to get everything for free, <laughs> and I don't know because you threaten the kids or the kids just love you to be I've never around. Threatened. But one thing that I really, I always like about you, without telling you, you always know how to conduct yourself, and you always look for those. You help people out. And those are the um, the trades or or, or or skills or you know you it can't be taught. It, yeah. It's from the heart. You got a big heart, and that's why uh, you know I I always watch you doing that, and you fought for other people. Yeah, you always fought for the less fortunate and those who can't speak and stand up for themselves. And those are the things that will carry you through this life. You don't have to have a lot of money. You can survive. But as long as you have a good heart, that will take you mm-hmm. long ways. It's funny because uh, I was talking to mom on the phone recently, and she was telling me about how they, you guys told Kilo the story about how, uh, uh, <laughs> how mom had to come down to school and the police had to uh, come down to the school as well because, because this kid was picking on, this bigger kid was picking on a smaller dude and... I gave him what you taught me. This is like uh, two weeks before I bought some boxing gloves, and you're teaching me, and I was a three piece, yeah. and I <laughs> and I had to use this three piece on this big kid, and I ended up with hitting him. It, like it wasn't even that bad. It was just boom, 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 and he dropped. Told his mom, but mom came and she started crying because she doesn't want her son being a, a convict or a bad person. But at the end of the day, I told her mom like. I have to stand up for this man. Maybe I did it in the wrong way. At that time, I probably did it in the wrong way, but I felt like I had to stand up for my friend. That's the only way I knew how to at that time. And that's what it is. You know, it, like you said, you learn as a man now. You, yeah. look, you look back at it. You could have conduct yourself in a different manner. Mm-hmm. But as a kid, and you see, you react differently. Yeah. And what you did, 
I will never fault you for it because you stood up for 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 someone else. Yeah. And you look what's happening nowadays with bullies, you know, and these are the people mm -hmm. that are they're picking on the uh the kids and you know, abusive yeah. and verbally and those people need to be tested sometimes. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it takes sure. a one, two, three. <laughs> I'll bet you he never picked on someone else. He after never that. did actually. Yeah. He and became he became a great citizen. <laughs> and actually, um, when I was in college, he actually messaged me one day and said that, um, like, kind of like, thank you, like, uh, or like, sorry that we had that kind of beef, but like, overall apologizing of calling the police. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. See, great experiences like that. Is something we're we're not the uh, the law. Yeah. However, I bet you you taught that kid a lesson, mm -hmm. and the lesson that you taught him that he realized what he was doing was wrong, yeah. and it saved his life because he could have done it to someone else, and that would have been it. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. what you did it was on the from the positive uh, view. Yeah. You actually saved his life from uh, someone else uh, pulling out a gun and. And use it on him for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so let's, let's backtrack back to San Diego State. And while you're in San Diego State, are are the class? Are you taking? Um, what are you? What were you majoring in? Majoring in at the time? Well, it was all different kind of majors from a vocational or? training okay. to uh, communication. Ended up with a public administration pre-laws uh, okay. uh, class. I mean education. I uh, finished up with that and um, with the plan of that I was going to run for city hall, be a mayor, and, and be in the in the politics. Okay. However, being in the NFL for that long, it's hard to come back and start life again. For sure. As yeah. you know, you know you're my son. You see me around. It's very difficult in leaving the game for that long and be a 33 year old, and then if I start. The corporate America again. Without if if I don't open up my own business, then that means I may have to make coffee. Yeah. Because seniority, you have a 25, 24 year old that has been in the business for a long time yeah. with a company, so I have to make coffee, and this is why it's very hard for for athletes to to start all over again. To adjust outside. To the adjust. Game. Uh, that's why the book that's going to be out is the psychological transition of the real of. Of a real athlete to the real world. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm living it as well. You know, I yeah. mean, I got hurt out of uh, out of college as well, and ever since then, it's been almost like a identity uh, crisis where you don't know quite who you are. Sometimes, you know, um, you see yourself as a football player for so long, and when it's finally just taken from you, then it. Uh, it it hurts to not understand where you're going to go next, but I mean, you know, a lot of a lot of the football players. I mean, all the athletes and the people that have been doing something for a long time. You know, we do go through those the time that we had to re sit back and, and really just adjust ourselves with you know what the world speed you know in the work uh, environment or just in your own home. And for an example, with with us, you know, in July is when you focus for the season. And, um, oh my God! And and that's when you don't really want to for football alone. In July, Fourth of July is your last, and that's when you start tuning in. Yeah. To the season. Yeah. And their mindset, it's not 
what everybody else, your average Joe or the neighborhood guy is thinking about. He's not thinking about mowing his lawn on Saturday. He's not thinking about, he's thinking about making the team. He's thinking about achieving all his goals, personal goals. Yeah. And help the team, you know, win the Super Bowl. That's everybody's mindset is win the Super Bowl. Win the championship. Yes. Yes. No one walks into a season and just like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna tank the season. Yeah. Let's not let's take it easy. Unless you're a New England Patriots, it <laughs> seems like like that because they're in the Super Bowl almost what in seven Man. years now, and they won what five uh, five six before? yeah something crazy yeah. yeah those guys ever since I can remember watching football like periodic like all the time was the Patriots were winning they were in the Super Bowl it's crazy especially this guy this little guy. Ever since he's been alive, Patriots have been in the Super Bowl. That's just like the 49ers doing a my time. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, with Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, and them. And the 49ers was a great uh, organization, mm-hmm. you know, in the 80s, you know, the late 80s and in the, in the mid-90s. It, it, it was just a dominant team. Dallas was like that, yeah. Pittsburgh. But now New England Patriots is just uh, in a class by, himself, by yeah. themselves. It's just a whole different level of playing. For sure. Yeah. Um, so you, so you're at San Diego State. You guys are about to play BYU. Yeah. And um, yeah, and the the craziest part is because I was talking to Bianca last night, just so I can get a little bit more information. She told me the story, and then she sent me a link where I can find the article. Um, I'm not sure who who posted it, but um, they're chanting, "Kill the Mormons! Kill the Mormons!" And you're very strong in your faith, and you've always been very strong in your faith. Like that's what's carried you so far in your life, right? Like, um, what did what what happened with that when they're in the locker room constantly chanting that to you? No, it wasn't so much of a chanting, but around the campus, uh-huh. they really didn't understand, you know, about sports alone with the the rivalry, you know, rivalries of uh, BYU Cougars and uh, San Diego State. Mm-hmm. You know, as a freshman walking on campus, and then that particular week they had posters out there. So you you're know. you're like super young. You're yeah, 18? I was seventeen. Remember, 17. I was only I turned eighteen during September, and, and this oh, is seventeen. The so that's the beginning of season. Yeah, and um, you know there were. One, two, three, kill the Mormons. Yeah. So the, you know, and the next day I got up on the uh, you know, team meeting and I expressed my uh, disappointment of, you know, the motivation behind this whole thing. Yeah. And I mean, if they were going to kill the Mormons, kill me first. Let's start with me first. And we had the coach at San Diego State named Doug Scoville. Doug Scoville was coaching at BYU before that. Mm-hmm. And because I turned down BYU... I was highly recruited by BYU, and I turned it down to go to San Diego State. And I didn't need this harassment in my life because of my belief. Mm-hmm. And and my belief is very, you know, I honor my, I respect and my testimony in the religion, and I am a yeah. strong member of the church. And But at a 17-year-old, I, I felt that it was for me to stand up. And, of course, I was nervous. There were grown-ups there, and yeah. guys were seniors, and you got to— a freshman who stood up and and had to share his ex, you know his feelings and it was really gut wrenching at the time. But I have to do what I have to do. And you you talked about how like I am a person that stands up for what I believe in. I mean, look what you did at that time, being that young and taking a stand for what you believe in. That is that's courageous, man. And that's 
that's something that uh, if you see a football player do that, I mean, as a coach, I would be, I need that. I need that on my team. I need that kind of leadership, that kind of man. Because at that point, I mean, you're more than a boy, you know what I'm saying? You're, you're a young man at that time, and you're, you're expressing that your beliefs is, is who you are, and please stop, stop saying those things. And did they stop? Is that? Yes, they stopped, and Scoville, Doug Scoville, head coach at the time, and Brian Billick. Brian Billy, who became the head coach at Baltimore Ravens, yes. who won the, uh, he was our tight end coach, and also Mike Smith, who was um, who just got fired by the Atlanta Falcons before Mike Gwynn. he was on the coaching staff. Okay. But it wasn't for me to to try to tell them that I was courageous. It, you know, I was a hero. No, what I did is I stood up for what I believe. Exactly, yeah. and. And what I believe in, and that's my faith. And and it's just like when you stood up, you didn't care about the consequences. Mm-hmm. When you saw the kid being picked on and being treated, mistreated by another individual, you didn't have to think about it mm-hmm. because you believe and you were taught that is wrong. And whatever consequences, you were willing to suffer. Yeah. And fortunately... It didn't get any deeper than that. Mm-hmm. And for my case, it was easy because that was my belief. I didn't have to beat up anyone. Although I was, uh, they know a freshman playing, you know, as a freshman in in, oh, uh, yeah. in San Diego State, and they knew I was a hard hitter. So if you if I don't get you, you know, in a fist fight, I'm gonna get you on the field. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so that, let's go into fighting. Is in, in college. I remember I'd been in plenty of fights when I was in college, and not all, out, out off the field. It's only during the when we're practicing. When you constantly hit somebody for months, practicing to hit somebody else, yeah, you're going to get on each other's nerves a little bit. Um, and you wore number fifty. I definitely know that. I've seen pictures of it. You're super skinny, skinnier. Than, uh, <laughs> but. Yeah, man. Were there any crazy fights that happened on the field? I mean, there's always uh, fighting was part of it. It was part of uh, a football during the training camp. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. You know, and then you get into little scuffles when you have all Americans on Monday and Tuesday. Mm -hmm. The guys who don't play on Friday uh, Saturdays, but they become they. You know, you're tired. You got some knickknacks, and you got a little bit of injury from the from the game. But these guys were sitting around and partying all weekend long. Yeah. So they're pretty strong, and they're going full speed on Monday and Tuesday. And that's what we have a saying: is be a pro. You know, be a pro about it, and because it's unfair. And then when you have to straighten them out, yeah. yeah so there's some other things that <laughs> happens after. But usually, I don't. I'm not one of those guys who fight a lot, but I just let them know when I hit them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't, you can't play that way. Yeah, Man, that's crazy. Yeah, I, I can only imagine how how it would be back then, especially with like, it's just a it's a different type of player back then. It was I feel like the toughness was there. You know, it was like the grittiness was there. Now, I'm sorry, a lot of these kids are soft. I mean. And it's not it's not their fault. It's mostly because what needs to happen to the game. The game needs to needs to turn into something maybe a little softer. We're not going to be banging heads. I, well, you know, uh, Sonny, it's not so much of being soft. Mm-hmm. The game evolves. Evolves. Yeah, and it's time for leaders, coaches, and, and, and what 
people in organization, high, you know, making decision makers, to really, we had to keep this game going, but we had to save the players. Yeah, for sure. It's, it, I mean, it's still hard. I mean, if you get hit, you get hit. If you go against a 300-pounder and you're only 250, yep. yeah, he's going to knock you out. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna you hit. know, I mean, there's defensive backs and there's offensive linemen. The game is still the same. Of course, they have to make a few adjustments. Mm-hmm. However, it's the adjustments for the longevity of the game. Yeah. Because if they don't do that in every level, then football will be obsolete. Mm. And we don't want that because yeah. football is an American's game. It is. It is. Mm. It has definitely taken place uh, over baseball <laughs> easily. Because who watches baseball nowadays? I'm just kidding. There's plenty of people. Well, well, yeah, baseball. <laughs> All you baseball fans, I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> Baseball is a great game. You got some great athletes. And nowadays, it, if you really look at it, you have great athletes yeah. you know, playing yeah. in these sports. You have golfers. You have golfers who are working out all the time. Mm-hmm. You, you see those, you know, uh, they're more buff. They're more explosive. Now. They're hitting the ball far, yeah. you know. And so even football players, you have a, a receiver that's 6'6", six, 6'4", six, six, running yeah. a 440 four, 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 or 4'3". Easily. That's, and that's you there. have big guys, you know, like just like you. You were considered a big fella in high school and mm-hmm. in college. Now you got bigger guys who can run. Yeah. Agile, and they were taught well, and they're student of the game. Yeah. So y- there's there's so much into this game now that, and plus they're investing a lot to it. Yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. a lot of money going into these players. Yes, and that's yeah. why I'm a strong believer that student athletes need to get paid. I'm just gonna throw that. Well, out <laughs> we'll get into that. That will be nice, but uh, yeah, <laughs> we can talk about it now because you know it's getting paid. Yeah, I I'm for it as well. Yeah, because it's very expensive for a student athlete to uh, to survive in, yeah. in college. I mean, unless your mom and dad are, are you know made a lot of money, put money aside for you, mm-hmm. for for the student. Uh, other than that, it's very. I mean, if you look at apartments, the living uh, expenses, it's just it's so expensive. It is expensive, and the demand of these athletes to uh, to play at their highest level, mm-hmm. and also. The time consuming, it's it's very. You know, athletes have to get paid now. Yeah, they put so much into it, and plus education is great. And getting their degree and getting their education for free is great. However, living your social life, it, that's what has to be compensated. Do you think it would be? Uh, do you think it would be possible to do a developmental league for NFL? Development, uh, you like know how, the summer like, league, the summer almost league how uh, well now they're making the G League in the yeah, NBA, the NBA. Uh, eighteen and older. You, kids from high school yeah. can go play in there now. Um, you think that would work with a with NFL having developmental league and players that are eighteen coming to play in? I'm always uh, a supporter of, of the decision for for kids to to pursue their education. Yeah. And, and and to go to college because college uh, experience is a great thing. Yeah, it is. And I don't know how long you you, you know it should be set up for two years or three years, mm-hmm. but missing out in college, you will miss out for that experience is it's a vital experience to one um, you know's life. Mm-hmm. It builds character, like we talked about how we struggle yeah. you know in college in the dorms and and things that happen. Those are the stories that goes on, and it will stay with you. And and that's why I am a, a strong believer that 
you know, they should attend college first. Yeah. Yeah, football. And also, you know, there's going to be some great players that come out at 18. Juju Smith is only 19, and he yeah. made it, and he did well. But how many Juju Smith are there? How many LeBron, Juju Smith yeah, are there? Yeah, LeBron, uh, Kobe Bryant. Yeah. And, uh, how many of them, uh, of those guys, how many of them will not succeed? There's, uh, yeah, exactly. There's probably well, a lot of the guys in ratio there. So that's why I'm concerned about it's nothing wrong with going to college. That yeah. is a great experience, and that is a great way of learning and, and build your character and try to survive. You're away from your parents, mm-hmm. and you learn how to live on your own. Yeah. If you can't budget and survive in college, then you don't deserve to have a lot of money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I understand that. Um, so you're... <clears throat> So the last game you played in, was it the Holiday Bowl at San Diego State? Yes. Holiday Bowl. And who did you guys play that, that year? Uh, Iowa. Iowa. Win or lose? We lost the last second. You know what it is. I just saw that on ESPN Classic. It's always on it. That ESPN. thing always comes on. And yeah. I'm always trying to find you. What's up? Where's Pops? And remember remember that trophy that's at the house? It looks like a yeah, Heisman. Yeah. That was the defensive player of the uh, of the game. Of the game, yes, I remember. Yeah, nineteen eighty six holiday ball. Do we? Do you still have that trophy? I mean, I don't know. I don't know where you put it, but it, uh, it, was it should be somewhere. The, around. It was inside the yeah. like the storage I, unit. We'll yeah. talk about this later. We'll talk. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, that was. Uh, I remember the trophy. Trophy. I remember the football ball that you had with yeah. uh, the interception. But of, you know, like all that is great. Yeah. But all that is. It doesn't equal up to what I have now. Okay. You know, you, you know, your brothers and your sister. Yeah. And that's what, those are my interceptions. Those are my MVPs. Yeah. Because that uh, defines who I am. Mm-hmm. If you guys weren't the, the kids that you are, then I'm a loser. I, I, I'm not, if you are doing drugs or locked up in jail or somewhere or you committed suicide or do something stupid like that, yeah. that, it falls on me. Mm-hmm. But I am, you know, I'm glad that we all struggle. You guys are going through your own challenges in life. And I'm just happy the fact that I can call you, talk to you. We're yeah. away, we're back in the islands and, and we're, you know, we're talking and conversating on the, on the phone and everything else. That's the key thing because it's hard to talk to somebody that's dead. Yeah. And it's hard to talk to somebody that's in prison. Mm-hmm. And and it's hard to talk to somebody that is out there because of drugs. Yeah. And that's why I'm I'm glad. Yeah. Holiday Bowl, as you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah, I was there. It was good. It was fun. It was a great experience. But... We lost a game, and I see that every <laughs> year on ESPN. <laughs> All the time. But you're right, though. Like, I mean, look at uh, look at my siblings. They have, they have turned into, like, very successful, great, overall just great people. And, like, um, they, they're doing some cool things, man. And I, I'm very proud of them, too, for not – as the oldest brother, as the oldest sibling. I mean, I, I look at those guys, and I just – I'm just so proud of them, especially my brother Niles and especially Bianca and RJ. Those guys are all just doing their own thing. And Kilo is making his way in golf and trying things out. I say he needs to play football, but well, we all know. Ouch. But I say it, I say it to him, and he's like, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah, we don't know. If he's 6'6", six, six, if he's 6'5", yeah. of course you'll be a defensive end. Yeah, exactly. Right That's what I'm but, saying. But, um. 
or for him as a right now back mm-hmm. home as you know you know, we're you know back home we don't have a grassroots program for football yeah exactly although i'm there but i think i'd rather have him concentrate on something else uh-huh. because as you know a lot of the uh basketball players football players baseball players they all want to be golfers that's As true. you always hear about Charles Barkley trying to be a golfer, <laughs> and, and you know, like Shaquille O'Neal and, and the some best of the other, and so you know, let him try the golf first, and then if uh, God willing, and grows up to be a bigger boy, and yeah. and be at the tenant like you, you know, and your brothers, well. And why not? Why not take a chance and have him and, uh, be a defensive end and yeah. rush from the you know be a boogie? Shaquille, <laughs> <laughs> he's funny. Um, all right, so we finished the holiday bowl, right? And um, now you're trying to make your way to the NFL. What is the what's the first step right at, right after the holiday bowl? Do you go to um, like practice workouts with these guys back in the day? I mean, well, in the back in the day, it was they call you through the week. They call you through the weekend and set up um, a plane flight and you know, a flight schedule to go. To different places, you know, Dallas. You go to New York, and, uh, and and that was one thing that I didn't get: the fact that I would fly to Newark with for the New York Giants and fly back to San Diego, mm-hmm. and then fly back the following day for the Jets. While school, while the school. That's why the NCAA have implemented um, uh, rules and regulations for they can only test uh i mean the profession uh, uh the scouts can only test uh, students and they're off uh, like when the spring, in, break, in spring break and stuff uh-huh. like that when i was coming out i was flying everywhere like in the middle like in the everywhere. middle of the week you know there's a midterm on friday i can't be there because you know if you look at it either you're going to try and hopefully you get drafted and, and be in the nfl yeah. or you take a midterm yeah I mean, those are the decision that was on. It's a huge I mean, decision. for me, it w- I'm not like at the time. You know, you have great All Americans. You know, the Brian Bosworth and all those guys. Mm-hmm. I, w- I was trying to make it, and I, when a scout tells you, "Are you available on Thursday to get on a flight?" Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. I can. You know, because this is a chance of a, uh, of a, of a lifetime. Yeah, for sure. And that's why it was unfair in a way, but I did it. Came out of it smelling like roses. Yeah, you know, so to speak. So, but I ended up at the Rams. Yeah. So when you ended up at the Rams, um, was there anybody like anybody there that took you under their wing at that time? Um, like as a rookie, I mean, I'd imagine as a rookie free agent coming into the league, it's it's probably not that hard. I mean, it's probably not that easy to. Well, son, to you know, your league. father was way at the bottom of the depth chart. <laughs> You know, especially there were 12 rounds and they didn't even draft me. There were 12 rounds right There were 12 rounds and there were so many guys. We have guys, you know, that were there. Mm-hmm. And I look at them and I said, man, you guys wouldn't even survive at my college. That's what I'm saying. You, and, and you survived nine years in the NFL and a lot of those guys, maybe three years. They, no, they were cut. They were cut uh-huh. that first year. There were guys from back east and there were guys from the top schools that were – you know, supposed to be, you know, big time school, yeah. big time programs. But as, as you mentioned, there is no one's going to take you under their wing until you prove something. Okay, for sure. And one thing that I will say about your father, I didn't talk to anyone in that locker room. Okay, that locker room was. Um, 
I tried to get out, work out, and, and get out. I didn't want to say anything, but a good friend of mine was a guy that was struggling. He was trying to make the team as well. He's been there for a while, but he was always trying to prove himself. Okay. His name is Kevin Green. Kevin Green. And Kevin Green was trying to fight, you know, to be a starter and trying to be on the rotation. This is outside linebacker in Hall out. of Fame, Kevin Green. Yes, right? that's Kevin Green. KG, but uh, yeah, another good friend of mine. There were nice people out there. I mean, the Rams was great. It was at home. It was in Orange mm-hmm. County and, you know, not far away from Huntington. So Where did they play at that time? Orange they were County. at uh, uh, Brookhurst. They were at the Angel Stadium. Angel That's Stadium. our home. Yeah, there were all, a lot of uh, friends from high school and neighborhood friends and people I grew up with. They, they all showed up to support me. And John Robinson was there. Mm-hmm. And it was a um, it was a great experience, uh, and one of my, I mean, you play. They don't never give you respect or even try to go out of their way to say anything until you make a big impact. Yeah, and of course, uh, training camp. Even we had our what you call now OTAs. Oh yeah. Well, I was, I told myself I was going to hit everything that moved. <laughs> <laughs> what did you play at that time? Was it I was playing outside linebacker? I was an inside linebacker. Inside, okay. I played inside linebacker with uh, 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 Jim Jim Collins and Carl Eckern, Larry Kelm, and Jack, Mike Giroux. Jackie Slater on this team at this time? Yes. As you know, son, you met Jackie Slater. Yeah, he was on Mr. this team. Mr. Slater. Though. Yes, Mr. Slater, Coach yeah, Slater. Yeah, Coach Slater. You know when you ask him about that you're my son. Yeah. You know the answer. But <laughs> he was a, a, a great man and a very uh, one of my great friends that was at the Rams. It's too bad that they have to trade him. Was Eric Dickerson? He was a class act. A lot of people didn't know that, but he was a great man, uh, good teammate. Yeah, he gets what he wants, but he have to. Yeah, you know he's a Hall of Famer now, and he was. I think that was a downfall of the Rams, Los Angeles Rams, when, when they traded the him. Right, the yeah, to the Colts, yeah. and after that, everything was just went downhill. Further, and did they leave L.A. or did they leave Orange County after that year and go back to L.A.? No, they left a few years back. Okay, and went to St. Louis, nice. and they won a Super Bowl there. Oh yeah, um, with uh, Kurt Warner. Uh, Kurt Warner, yep, yes, Kurt Warner. Man, pops, these stories are cool though. Um, and so you played with the Rams, and was that just one year with the Rams right away? Well, I know you came back to them, right? Yes, I played for them over the uh, 87, 88, mm-hmm. 89, but 88 was a different thing, and I don't want to talk about it. Okay. Because it's, you know, it's kind of, it was between the organization and myself because of numbers. Okay. However, it's not credit as, a, you know, NFL credit here, but. And just leave it that way. Okay. But in 89, we came back and played there and uh, made it to the playoff that year. Okay. And then I went to San Diego after that and played in, 19, in 1990 there with Junior Seau, the late uh, Junior Seau. And the late great Junior Seau. Yeah, so good buddy of mine. And yeah. it was great. And then I ended up with uh, the Cleveland Browns with uh, Bill Belichick when he took on as a head coach yeah. in 1991. Let's go back to Junior Seau real quick. Were you guys really good friends? I know that you were in his wedding, and obviously you guys are great friends, but um, you guys also played the same position, right? Essentially yeah. the same position. Um, was that? Did you guys get along a lot? I mean, 
Were you guys the only Samoans on the team at that time? Yes, yes, we were the only ones, and we played the same position. Yeah. And it was, you had to be professional about it, and the junior made more money, and he was the number one, I mean, number, what, five pick of yeah, the first round? And there was, he was the number one pick for the Chargers that year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't fight that. You just had to, you know, just work it, and hopefully yeah. things will work out better your way. And, and that's when I became the special team pri- uh, captain for um, – for the uh, for the Chargers that year. Oh, nice! And then you know I um, finished up that year and went in to negotiate, sign my new contract. And Bobby Bethel, who was a general manager, told me that all the money, the linebacker money, and all that was given you know to Junior. Damn it, Junior! Yeah, so <laughs> Junior played funny. well. So did, I I told him that I have to leave. I have yeah. to leave for more money at Cleveland. You know that. So, but. Football, it's not about money. No. It's not about it. It's about an opportunity. It depends on you as an athlete if you're going to take advantage of it or you're going to, you know, just throw it away. And we see it in many ways how athletes do not utilize, you know, what NFL provides, you know, properly. Mm-hmm. And Junior's a good buddy, as you asked. Yes, I was in a wedding, as you know that. You yeah. knew that. And through the pictures and all. It's just too bad what happened to him. It's it's his decision. It wasn't anyone else's decision. Yeah. And I think CTE plays a big part into in, in his decision making and which sometimes, you know, for us who are getting older feel that way when yeah. you start forgetting things. Hopefully I don't forget you guys' name and <laughs> <laughs> and when I get older and and don't think I'm crazy when things like that happen. But yeah. you know, it's part of the game. Yeah. That's why I say the game had to be protected. And as much as they have to protect it, the players. Yeah. For the longevity and the integrity of the game. So yeah, I want to talk about the the Cleveland Browns. You go over there and play for a Bill Bell trick and this is right before they dip out. Right, like nah, they left a year after when I went to Minnesota. Uh, the, what, yeah. So it was ninety, ninety five. You played yeah. there. Yeah, nah, I played in ninety one, ninety two, and ninety three. Um, you're yeah. telling me a story about how uh, you hit you hit the guy so hard in the hole in the first quarter, and you ask your one of your teammates, "Is the game over yet?" Or what quarter we are in the game? And um, yeah, and you end up having sixteen tackles in the game. Can you uh, tell that story a little bit? Well, yeah. that was the last game we played in Pittsburgh. Okay. And, um, you know, my buddy Duvall Love and Tom Newberry, they were playing for Pittsburgh at the time. Okay. We played at uh, at the Rams together. Mm-hmm. And it was just one of those uh, counter-OG with Duvall Love, uh, you know, pulling. Yep. And I went right through that and made the tackle and then – I think that's the last time I remember anything. And then I, on the sideline around like the fourth quarter towards mm-hmm. the end of the game, I uh, I asked my buddy Bernie Kozar. You know, he was, I guess Bernie was sitting next to me and I asked him who's winning the game. <laughs> and that's when Bernie called, uh, this is what they told me. Yeah. He called the trainer, the head trainer, Bill, and uh, told him something's wrong with Richard. you got to yeah. check on Richard. And, yes, I answer all the questions, but I had no idea, you yeah. know. And and that's why I, 
it was great. I had a great game, and Nick Saban now is a defensive co- I mean, he was a defensive coordinator at the Browns at the time. He uh-huh. was my defensive coordinator and head coach at Alabama now. And that's when he said, man, Richard, you should be concussed more often. You played <laughs> a hell of a game. But anyhow, it was just part of the, the sport. You know, I, I had no idea w- what happened in the game. and But I guess the red light was still on. I, yeah. You know, being in shape, and I was running around making tackles, and it, it just – and they, and that's what Nick Saban uh, told me, you know, after the film. He said, man, you played well. Yeah. You played well. And you should get concussed more. Yeah, you should <laughs> get concussed more. But, uh, you know, that's part of football. Yeah, you're just out there doing your thing. It's great. And that's why we're athletes, and that's why we're suffering all this memory loss when yeah. we get older. As you know, yeah, I, there are certain things that I do that's out of my character. Mm-hmm. However, it's it's part of it, you know. Yeah. It's part of what I did for a long time, and uh, and I would I change it? Uh, I guess not. And that's the only thing I know, you yeah. know. As uh, going back, I football is something that challenged me to reach the highest level of football. But I wanted to do was be a lawyer. Oh, okay. I wanted to be a lawyer, and and, and law school was always something that I wanted to pursue. But um, in football, was it just so happened? It was a challenge for me to see if I can make it. And if you, you know, we talked about being a free agent. Mm-hmm. It wasn't easy. Every year, I have to make the team, and being a free agent at that time it w- w- was very difficult. Yeah, because your name was always on a cut list. And there was uh, a fifty-three man roster at that time. Yes, well. and, and, and it is hard. You, you you have to make it. For me, I have to get there. I have to make sure that I'm on the team, and whatever I can do to be on the team, that's what I will do. Yeah. And yes, and, you know, I I never played special team in college, but playing special team was something that I have to do to be on the team. Yeah, I mean, isn't that the big reason why Bill Be- Bill Belichick loved you? Was you were just out there playing you? You do anything for the team, right? Because you know, I let the team that year. I let the team in tackles, uh, um, in defense and special teams. And this was in nineteen ninety-one. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, for me, I, I had fun. It was great. Yeah. Great. I learned a lot from different coaches. I was playing under Bill. Yeah, Bill is, Bill is a great coach. He's a genius, as everybody know now. But Bill, Bill only wants you to. Make sure you get stay in shape. Yeah, you stay in your lane and do your job. Mm-hmm. Do your job and hard work. Hard work. You put in the work and and that's all he requires from you. Yeah, and, and as you can see, his theory and philosophy works. It works. It works. Yeah, it works. No matter like what what like decade you're in, what you, like where you're at, the stuff works. Hey, remember this guy Bill. He's at the facility around four o'clock in the morning riding a bike. Riding a bike. A stationary bike. Okay. And uh, I'll get in around like five thirty six o'clock. He's already sweating. <laughs> you know, our first our team meeting is at nine. Mm-hmm. So you know, I'll watch films and then I'll go ahead and do uh, I'll weight lift and you know stretch and do all that. And then nine o'clock is a team meeting, and Bill is already there. He's I I don't think he goes home. <laughs> uh, you know I don't yeah, think he I goes you. home. He's always at the uh, the work site, you know, and and he hates to lose. And his own way is, you know, either his way or the highway. Or the highway. Yeah, as you know, it, 
And Bill, Bill knows what he's talking about. Yeah. I heard a bow nose. Uh, yeah, Bill knows. And, and now it's Bill knows. Bill knows. Bill definitely knows. I mean, it shows with all those rings. Um, yeah, Pop, this is this is some good stuff, man. When you uh, so you, you leave the Browns. Oh, here's another part: being a Samoan kid was this like your first time ever seeing snow? Besides Utah, when you would go to. Yeah, living in the snow and being in the snow are two different things. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, living in the snow. It's your first time uh, living in the snow. In Cleveland, in Ohio, and being in Ohio, and that's a whole different, you know, chapter of the yeah. book. You know, living, experiencing the snow. Yes, it was cold. And one thing I, I'll tell you, it was cold, and, and Lake Erie was really cold. Yeah, okay. You know, but uh, I, I don't wear thermals. I don't wear anything else. Yeah. I just... I just like we have a saying is socks and jock, and that's all in your that's it. pants. Yes. You know, if you all wear the thermos, and, and nowadays you have those tights that keeps you warm. And, that's what Niles would wear. Yeah, we didn't have that. We didn't have that at the I'm time. I'm an old school kind too, pops. I yeah. yeah. No sleeves. That's I'm true. Going out there, popping off. And now you can feel it when you <laughs> get yeah. older. You feel all no, that, all that macho self. You know, that's Ugh. what you figure why I have your little brother play golf. Yeah. No, it makes sense, man. Yeah. Trying to keep him away from that as, I mean, up until he want, really wants to. I mean, or if he really shows that he could do it. But, yeah, the best way is to keep him off it right now. Yeah. When um, I tell you one thing, Cleveland, Cleveland is a place where they know their sport. Yeah. I mean, the women will tell you about cover two. <laughs> they will call. Will tell you that you should have ran a you know a man up or, uh-huh. or a cover seven or. Do they know they the sports know, or do they know? They know, they know sports and they also know football. Yeah, I mean yeah, Cleveland, right down the yeah. I mean that whole Ohio area, even a pin. You know, you're talking about Pittsburgh, Cincinnati. These folks there. They live football. They live their sports, especially yeah. football. Mm-hmm. And they used to say that there's only two sports in in Ohio, you know, spring football and fall football. <laughs> fall football. Uh, but now Texas say they do this, you know, yeah. and that's only two sports in Texas. What a shame that they got rid of that team in 96. Crazy. The football team, they get rid of them in yeah. the football world. Um, yeah, Pops, I, you're – Obviously, struggling from um, from all the concussions and, and impact that you have taken. Um, would you go back and like change that stuff? Like, would you go back and not do it anymore? Like, would you have pulled the plug earlier? Well, you know, it's hard. That is that uh, million dollar question yeah. to every football player out there, and in every level. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some great players that never made it. They were great junior All-Americans and never became anything in high school. Yeah. Great players in high school never, you know, paid out to be anything in college. Yeah. Great players in college and never made out, to, you know, in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, and they all suffer the same kind of injuries. You yeah. mean, the ACL at a junior, a junior, or you know, Pop Warner, a junior All-American, it's the same ACL at the NFL. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we all, you know, all the different level of football, but we all share the same pain. Yeah. And talking about the, um, and talking about, you know, if I have to, if I would do it all over again, despite the issues that I have with injuries and how I'm feeling, you know, mentally and all that. Go ahead and say it. Hell yeah. 
Yes, you would. I would do it all over again. <laughs> I know you would, bro. I had the only thing I know, and that's the only thing that gave me life. Yeah, I know you would. You know, and Grandpa and Grandma gave me life, you know, and Father in Heaven was and blessed me through all this. But, you know, how can I change something yeah. that I've done for so long? So what actually made you retire? Was it um, the injuries or was it just losing the love of the sport? You know, that I mean, that happens to players. Well, it, it, somewhat it, losing the love of the sport, yes, you get to the point where you see it's not, it's no longer the football that you had fun with your boys and, you it's know, your neighborhood now. friends and, you know, uh, turkey bowl and Thanksgiving yeah, yeah. or playing Friday nights, you know. And you get to the point, too, you're saying, well, I've done this so long. But the number one thing was injuries. Yeah. I mean, I was getting tired of pulling my hamstring. I was getting tired of I have an ACL. I played with a, a, a dislocated shoulder in the whole 1991 um, uh, season. And every time I hit someone, I I feel the birds, you know, you know, in yeah. my ear. I see stars and stuff like that. And... Yeah, it, that was the main reason it was time for me to, to leave it because I believe at the time I'm not effective if I don't play 100% and help us 100% healthy. I was always, I worked hard, I ran, I did everything, but through during the season, my body was worn down. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, man. And it sucks to see you hurting, you know? That's why we're going to get you on that CBD. Hear, <laughs> hear it out, boys. I'm going to get him on the well, CBD. Well, I can be your good uh, Kenny pig for you know it. But uh, however, you will let me see what um, what the doctors say. Yeah. Because I have to make sure I get this. I'm getting old. I'm getting yeah. 55. And it's time for me to collect that pension. And, um, Looking going. 25. But though. living in the islands, you know. Yeah. Living in the islands has been very helpful to me because of it's hot and it's humid. Mm-hmm. And get a chance to feed some pigs and, uh, yeah. you know, the chickens outside and do the island thing. Well, I just wanted to say, man, um, it means a lot that you're doing my, uh, my episode today. And, like, you're, you're someone that I look, look up to a lot, and I really do appreciate this. You know, like, when my father passed away, uh, Clifford, when he passed away, it, it took me a long time to, like, understand that that I needed you, right? Like, in... Um, I need you in my life, and I swear, it, I realize that now, that you played a huge part in my life, and um, I love you, Pops. I appreciate you. Well, thank, thank you. you for having me on your show. Yeah, you know, for us, it's, like I said before, this is a, this life is a marathon. It's a journey. Yeah. And it's up to you to make the right decision. And you're... And so many people are seeking for independence and the riches and the selflessness. And, mm-hmm. But I see so many of those people are lonely towards their last days on this earth. Yeah. And you don't have to be the great player or the, the man or the person with a lot of money. Because you can always tell. I've seen a lot of people, the rich folks, die alone. Yeah. And I'm proud to say that you know I'm pr- uh, you're my son, and I'm. I hope you keep this up, and I hope your audience out there will believe in you, and yeah. and that you will keep entertaining them, and make it 
more educational and let them know that you you love what you do. I do. And then uh, I, I just, you know, you got to keep going. You mm-hmm. never know until that day when it comes and, and you look back and say, I did it. Yeah. And you remember the song by Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. Hey, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I feel it. Um, yeah, real quick, I want to give a uh, shout-out to the Studio Advancement Initiative for allowing me to come in here uh, weekly and just record whatever I need to do with my podcast uh, every episode. And, um, yeah, man, I, I'm just really grateful and forever uh, forever humble, you know what I'm saying? I love all you guys. Keila, come over here. Say what's up to everybody. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello. All right. It's the Rude Awakening, baby. Keep on pushing. Rude Awakening. Love is hate and love is love.